and welcome to the Cambridge Chat, bringing you city updates, local news, and upcoming community events and activities. This program is brought to you by Community Connections Network, connecting communities anytime, anywhere. I'm your co-host, Todd Streeter, and thank you for tuning into our show. And now I want to introduce our show hosts, Linda Wolf, City Administrator, and Evan Vogel, Assistant City Administrator, City of Cambridge. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, Linda. Welcome. Boy, I tell you, some days this phone. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all know? <laughs> is uh, Evan joining us today? Uh, Evan is going to be uh, doing the state of the city today um, with the Chamber of Commerce. So, it again, it's just you and me, Todd. All right. That's good. That and, works. And, of course, Brandy, who just joined in, and Julie is um, uh, trying to enter as well. And then we will also have uh, Jane Mund with us today. So we're really excited to talk about our uh, Act on Alzheimer's, a community dementia-friendly Cambridge has participated in making Cambridge a dementia-friendly community. And so today we're going to talk about resources that are available in Cambridge, not only to caregivers, but others that are making tough decisions about loved ones with Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia. Good afternoon, Brandy. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. How are me. you today? Very good. It's nice to see the sun shining. Um, so, Brandy, would you like to give the our listening audience just a little bit of background on who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm Brandy Barthel, and I'm the campus administrator here at Grace Point Crossing Campus, um, a senior community right here in Cambridge. Um, I've been serving as the uh, campus administrator since... 2018, so for the last few years, but I've been in the industry um, for well over 15 years now. And so it's just a great community that we have here, and I'm, it's a pleasure to serve it. I know we come up to Grace Point to do the absentee voting for elections, and I'm always impressed at the space and, and how engaged residents are and the number of activities and stuff that are going on. So I appreciate all that you do for our senior community. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So just one quick question. I know that um, COVID hit the uh, nursing home or, sorry, our senior living community, I should uh, say, uh, pretty hard. Can you talk a little bit about the protocols that you guys put in place and what protocols you're under now? We Yep, we had to close our doors um, back March 13th of 2020, and that was underneath the direction of the Minnesota Department of Health and the CDC. And so we have been following their direction the entire time. Um, and unfortunately, it, it just hurts us to have to do so, but having to keep um, the doors closed and limiting our visitation, and it continues to be a challenge over the year. Um, we've had just over 200 cases between residents and staff here. We had a couple of pretty big outbreaks and losses that we've challenged along the way, but we are continuing to bounce back and are excited every time the Department of Health and CDC has given us new guidance, open up our doors a little bit uh, each day. And so we just continue to look for those updates and communicate with our families and residents and just trying to get back to a normal life. That is indeed one of the bigger challenges. I know that isolation from others 
can be a contributing factor into memory loss. So those are the, we've always tried to make sure that we visit with our seniors in our little neighborhood area uh, the best we can to try to help them uh, cope and just, you know, know that, hey, there's somebody still here that cares about you. And I just remember a lot of the, seeing a lot of the people visiting through windows that just warmed, warmed my heart that, um, that we could be able to provide some type of connection, even though it wasn't a physical connection, we could still be connected. And I see Julie Tooker is now live and in a chair. Good afternoon, Julie. (laughs) Good afternoon. (laughs) I'm proud of you. You made it in. (laughs) I did. How are you doing? Ah, doing great. Doing great. And uh, so we just had Brandy give a little bit of background on her and what she does. So could you tell our listening audience, you know, who you are? Sure, sure. Happy to. First of all, Linda, thank you for inviting us for today. How exciting that we get to kind of share with the entire community all about Act on Alzheimer's and any avenue or vehicle we can use to do that. We're happy to do that. So um, thank you for having us. Yeah, I recently retired from Grace Point Crossing after 31 years. And even though I'm retired from my day job, I'm still very active in the community and and happy to still be a part of um, the Act on Alzheimer's group. So would you like me to go into a little bit about where we, how we started? And so, yes, if you could please give us a little history on the Act on Alzheimer's. Yeah. And what a dementia friendly community means. That'd be grand. Sure, sure. Happy to do that. So really in, um, it was 2013, so nearly eight years ago already, Verlson from the Central Minnesota Council on Aging had attended a senior networking group and had invited anyone in the group that might be interested in being part of this new program that was being rolled out statewide called Act on Alzheimer's. I knew immediately it would be a great fit for us at Grace Point Crossing because of the community that we serve and their families. And I love Cambridge, our entire community. And I thought, boy, anything we can do to bring more information to the community would absolutely be a a blessing all the way around. So um, I went back to um, the leadership at Grace Point, and we had a full blessing on move forward, do what you'd like to do with the group. Let's see what happens with this. So the first thing that I actually did is I sat down and thought about our community, wrote out a list of people who were, who I believe to be the movers and shakers in our local community here and came up with a list of, I believe, about 24 names and one by one contacting each one. They were in all different lines of of work here, living here, participated in all different kind of entities. And every single person said yes. They were interested in learning more about what we could do to make Cambridge a more dementia-friendly community. And basically what that means is that um, people are welcome to be a part of our community, that we're all educated really enough and understand that caregivers do not have to feel they need to keep their um, loved ones at home or away from other people. We want to do things that make it easy and comfortable 
for folks to come out and be a part of our general community. So all the people that I talked to that decided to join us for the Cambridge Act on Alzheimer's. And Linda, you were one of the first ones as well that agreed to do that through the city. And we've had representation all the way through from you. And I thank you for that. From first responders to education, finance, health care, volunteers. We had parish nurses, um, our sheriff's department, police department. It was just an amazing time of bringing everyone together. So we did that and did a number of surveys and found out from our general community, what would you like to see happen? What would be a benefit for you with what we bring as Act on Alzheimer's? And so we did these surveys and what basically came back was everyone wanted more education, resources, and caregiver support. So we started moving forward, had a lot of help from the Central Minnesota Council on Aging with this. We all just rolled up our sleeves and went to work, and we've uh, provided Dementia Friends training. Our local theater partnered with us to show the film I'll Be Me, the Glenn Campbell story. We provided memory screenings, resource guides. We still have monthly newspaper articles after all these years that are still being published each month, a memory cafe, Alzheimer's support group. We attended senior fairs, health fairs, dementia training at work, and we even had a dementia virtual tour where folks could come in and put on gear and apparatus that would give them the same kind of feeling of what it is like to walk in the shoes of someone that uh, may have some form of dementia. So honestly, everyone just kind of pulled together and we just got a lot of attention in those first few years. We even had the Boston Globe um, come out and do an interview with um, the team. We've had uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar with us. I mean, we just really drew a lot of attention. And I throw it back to all of the people that have participated and helped make the Act on Alzheimer's group what it really is. We're not done. We have plenty to do yet, but that's kind of where we've been over the last few years. Perfect. And um, the act on Alzheimer's is very personal for me. My mom died from Alzheimer's. And when you're a caregiver, I don't, you can understand, but I don't think you really can understand the depth of the symptoms that the person is experiencing. So when you could put on the goggles and when you could place yourself in their shoes, so to speak. For me, that was really a great eye-opening moment. And boy, did I feel bad about some of the times I yelled at my mom. Mm. <laughs> so, so I appreciate the, the the growth and the learning experiences, you know yeah, that cool. that that we've had. Um, I see that Jane Mund has also joined us. Hey, Jane. Hey, how are you? Say, um, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I am Jane Mund. I am a caregiver consultant with Family Pathways Aging Services. Really what that is, is I come alongside people who are caring for another person, and I assist them in planning for and dealing with the aspects of the caregiving experience. And that involves connecting them to resources and support, and really ultimately then helping them to create balance in their lives while they're caring for another person. 
I, I have one question. Anyone can chime in on this one, I guess, um, and including Linda as well. Uh, what What is the biggest challenge that a family goes through when a loved one is going through Alzheimer's? I think probably getting that diagnosis and just the gravity of that. But I also want to say that sometimes the challenge is they don't get a diagnosis. And so it just is very vague. The physician might say, well, you know, I think have some dementia. So, okay. But what is very important in that whole diagnostic journey is to have a specific diagnosis because that really opens up the resources because there's many types of dementia. That's kind of the umbrella. And then under that umbrella are the specific types such as Alzheimer's, which is what we talk a lot about, but there's Lewy body, which is associated with Parkinson's disease. And then there are other forms as well. And so I think that's one of the biggest challenges is just getting down to the specifics. And then, like I said, that will open up all the resources that I can help them with. Yeah. What what other challenges does, does a family need to anticipate once a diagnosis has been addressed? Um, well, from my perspective, it's usually just trying to, it's, it's a grieving process, just accepting the diagnosis or that there is something wrong. And, and we do see that can be a challenge. Um, so just trying to come alongside and really trying to think of their safety and how we can keep them successful at home. But of course, when safety at home is a concern, um, that there's programs, there's communities like ourselves that can help keep them safe and, and help you so it doesn't become too much on the family going through this process. But it's just really learning as much as you can about the disease, how you can, I guess, come alongside that person that um, has that diagnosis, that loved one, and really trying to work with them and kind of try to keep things as normal and kind of routine as you can just to keep them successful for as long as you can in, in your home. Yeah, and if could I add to that? Certainly. So I think part of that frustration and struggle is caregivers can get lost in this process because our health care system focuses on the, the person who needs the care, which is obvious. But that caregiver is an integral part of how we're going to care for that person. And so that's what caregiving consulting can do is it can help to equip caregivers and their families with those knowledge and skills and tools to help them in their caregiving role, education. As a caregiver consultant, I work one-on-one in guiding families to manage care and to manage self-care while they're caring for another person. So I think that's important to to, uh, understand in this whole process. So Julie, one of the things that you had highlighted on the act of on act on Alzheimer's was the dementia friends training. And I remember that we had uh, dementia friend training here at City Hall and we invited all of our employees to come and that was very eye-opening. Can you talk a little bit more about the Dementia Friends training and what that entails? Sure. So the Dementia Friends training basically give you kind of the outline of where that person is at and really give some really good visualizations on how the brain actually works and how the memory does decline. Different little tidbits and tips on how to better communicate 
with someone with Alzheimer's. And I'll just share with this group here, I learned what was very eye-opening to me is that it can take up to 20 seconds for someone with Alzheimer's to respond to a question that you've asked them. And 20 seconds may not seem like a long time when you just say that, but if you look at your watch or you keep track of 20 seconds, it is a very long pause. So one thing that's very common is people will quickly want to answer for that person instead of allowing them the chance to process the question and respond because it does take longer. So it's learning those kind of little tips and things that will not only make the caregiver or friend or loved one more confident about having a conversation with someone with Alzheimer's if they're feeling unsure of what to say or how to say it. But it also gives some outlines and some really great tips on how to allow that person some time to respond back. Patience is key. I have another question, though, too, is that on the forefront of all of this and, and what we've all learned about Alzheimer's in the past, say, 10 or 15, 20 years, have medications or breakthroughs in science, is there, is there some glimmering hope that it can be reduced in a very, very meaningful way? I can, I can speak to that. Go ahead, Jane. Okay. So, you know, Alzheimer's, it is a, a chronic condition and, and there is not going to be a, a cure for that. But there are medications that are prescribed that seem to help slow it down and they are fairly effective on the onset. And then as process goes on, they may not be as effective. But I think that each family has to decide, you know, how um, prescribed medications fit into, into their journey uh, with their, uh, their family member. But I also think what is hopeful is that it's such an interesting disease, because even though we're losing this person in a certain way, there is this emotional and creative part of that person that stays fairly connective, but it's exactly what you said in that patience. And so Alzheimer's demands that we slow down a little bit to interact with this person on a different level. And we could talk long about that, but there are some natural and alternative methods too that help to deal with some of the symptomatic behaviors um, that are hopeful. And just understanding the process of this disease and how to interact with patients. And that is something that caregiving consulting can help with too, is just educating on, on those ways to manage symptomatic behaviors that can be challenging. I hope that helps a little bit. No, it certainly helps uh, quite a bit. But the one thing I find interesting is that when you, you hear stories of families that go through this, that some people with the Alzheimer's, they they obviously lose a lot of their memory, but for some reason, something triggers them and they can go way back into their early youth or, or some cabin or somewhere, and all of a sudden that whole experience is like today, alive and animated. Do we know kind of what's going on there if that happens, or is that just something that's a mystery still? So one of the things that we learn in Dementia Friends 
is that in the process of Alzheimer's, it is the long-term memory that seems to be solid. And it is the short-term memory that people have trouble with. So you're exactly right. People will tend to kind of go back and that's almost like a very, uh, it's almost like spiral. You know, some days people are going to be really in the present moment and then other days way back in history. And that is, that is the challenge, isn't it? That's the, that's the roller coaster emotionally that families are going through. And I think Brandy said it so well that it's educating yourself and understanding what the disease is because that's when we can plug in the different tips, ways, tools to help manage this particular disease and its process. Excellent, Jean. Thank you uh, for sharing that. I just have a quick question for Brandy, and then we'll talk a little bit more about services available to caregivers. Hey, Brandy, Grace Point has been a leader in our community on ACT on Alzheimer's. So how did that group and their work and services to our aging population influence Grace Point's recent campus redesign and expansion? Yes. Uh, so it, for just history con- concepts here, uh, going back, we were operating in many different buildings. So we had two separate care centers. We had the assisted living across the river. We've had, we have our independent housing. And so the, one of the big focuses and influences was just bringing all of those services under one great roof. Um, And we kind of call them our hubs, uh, but it's allowing to have all different levels of wherever the senior is at um, and being able to live and be able to access the campus all as one. So really bringing attached independent living with attached assisted living with assisted living memory care and then also attaching our care center. So bringing them all together and we have a little town center that kind of connects them all. And this this really um, helps support those with memory loss because a lot of times we see couples coming in and we want nothing better than to keep them together. And sometimes they can do that successfully in the same apartment, but sometimes they end up having to live separately um, and it allows them to no longer be the caregiver, but be successful of being the spouse and just um, being able to see their loved one under the same roof, going to visit them and just being a part of their life and and kind of removing some of that burden of the caregiver when the caregiving is passed over to us. So we do have the independent living. Um, Like I said, we have two different uh, memory care um, areas. We have our Arbor, which focuses licenses assisted living, and it focuses on those early to mid-stage Uh, stages of Alzheimer's and dementia. So just kind of still very active, um, but safety is a concern. And so all of our areas are secured for that reason. And then we also in our care center have long-term care uh, memory care. And that focuses on the middle to late stages of uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. So where they uh, really have reverted back almost to the very early years, um, cannot remember the steps and, and just that normal day-to-day activities of daily living. And and so we have appropriate programming in each area to take care of them. And then that secured kind of area that really keeps their safety at mind. Um, And so that was really the work of this group to try to bring together and just keep everyone and have all different levels to service our seniors wherever their needs are at. And for the services, Brandy, are, are there requirements to be available for those services? Do you have to live in the Cambridge area particularly, or how does, how does that work? Uh, no, you can move in. There, there is no 
Uh, we have some that have moved from outside of Cambridge. Um, so it's just securing a, an apartment with us. And so coming in and touring or inquiring with our team, and they would love to talk it through. But if you're going into the assisted living, then there's different levels of care that you can purchase from. We do have some abilities for elderly waiver or like the financial assistance through the county. So if finances is a concern, don't let that stop you from reaching out and finding out more information because we would really love to help you. And so, nope, we can take anyone from anywhere. Great. Thank you. Jane, you have a lot of services available for people that um, have a, have had a recent diagnosis of Alzheimer's and kind of a, a planning list that you can help them go through. Could you share a little bit more about that today? Yes, of course. So yes, um, when I meet with families, we really um, try to focus in on initially what their most immediate need or concern is. And that's really kind of a jumping off place because oftentimes we will have people call and there's something right on their mind. And then we start there. We go through an assessment process to see where not only the care receiver is, but also where the, the caregiver is because those two things go hand in hand. And once we kind of figure out that, then we are able to connect that family to the services that they need at that time or those resources and support that they need at, the t- at that time. I will say this, we all know that we are in COVID situation right now. So some of the services and um, supports that we have have some restrictions And we need to kind of abide by those. But what I want people to know is that resources and support are still available. Sometimes we have to think outside the box a little bit, and I can help people do that. So let me just give it some examples about what some of those resources and supports are. Respite, which is just helping caregivers find a break. We all need to be able to refuel the lamp, so to speak. Homemaking help, grocery delivery. We have support groups available, educational sessions and workshops, home care, a file of life, project lifesaver, which is when people are having, maybe are prone to wander away from home, could become lost and confused. Project Lifesaver through the Isani County Sheriff's Department. Chief Deputy Lisa Lovering heads up that program, and that can really be a sense of support and give caregivers peace of mind. And it's just simply a tracking device that is available to families. We have elder law resources in our community, senior dining and home-delivered meals, hospice programs, and chore service, just to name some of them, and then we um, help families create kind of a, a plan, a plan of care, so to speak, that will meet their needs. So what does it cost for these services? Family Pathways is a nonprofit organization. People are so familiar with the, with the thrift stores. The thrift stores um, are part of our revenue, and all of the uh, profits that come through the thrift stores go directly back into our programs. Family Pathways Aging Services is one of them. We also receive grants from the state of Minnesota, also the generosity of people who want to donate. And so these services are available to you irregardless of your ability to donate or share in cost, but you are certainly welcome to do so. 
Does that help? Uh, yes. Uh, so technically, um, services are at little or no cost, you know, depending on your ability to pay, correct? Absolutely. Yes. So there we go. I just wanted to make sure that I was correct because yeah. uh, if I'm not telling people the right message, I want to know. No. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and obviously, always an opportunity to share and give, um, but it is there for people, irregardless of that. Um, do you know, are uh, Julie or Brandy or Jane, are there plans to start up the Memory Cafe again? I know we had to put a pause on it due to COVID-19. My understanding is we do plan on restarting the Memory Cafe, but at this time we do not have a date yet for that. I do know Vicki Ostrom, who heads up the one in Cambridge here, has been, and Angie Dietert from Family Pathways as well, have been writing cards and actually keeping in close contact with those who had been attending the Memory Cafe. Um, I know everybody wants to get back together, but I think there's still a little bit of time before that will happen. But when it does and we know of a date, we will definitely be loud and proud about getting the word out. Actually, I probably started in the middle of that question, and we should probably tell our listening audience, what is a memory cafe? So the memory cafe is basically a time each month that um, currently is being held at the senior center, the SACS um, Senior Enrichment Center, where couples or a care companion, uh, whatever the situation is, can bring their loved one in who does have the Alzheimer's or dementia and be a part of a small community where we do activities, we may have some education, some refreshments, and just a time where folks can get together and everyone just accepts everyone right where they're at. No expectations, can be very relaxed and not worry if you're um, concerned your loved one may, some, may say something out of the ordinary or be loud or whatever it is. It's like everyone is just accepted for who they are and it's a wonderful time of gathering and getting to know each other and feel support and love, really. And quite often Jane is also available to be at those meetings if the caregiver does need to spend some time with her and have a conversation. So it's just a way to really support folks that are in this journey. And for those who are utilizing the services on a kind of a given day or week or monthly basis, how many families are utilizing those services and that you're attending to? They typically, before COVID, it would run probably between 14 to 18 people that would attend. And do you see that population increasing over time? And do you have projections based upon baby yeah. boomers moving into, you know, sure, the, the, the golden years per se? Yeah, Alzheimer's um, will not be going away, unfortunately. You're right, as everyone ages and we just keep growing with it, the need will be greater. We did have a short grant that we were given through Alina Health a couple years back where we were able to offer a second memory cafe in Isanti. And so I'm sure the goal would be once we're actually out and about again a little more, we will look for opportunities where 
those types of things can be expanded. It may not necessarily be a memory cafe. And with that, I'll just add, having a dementia-friendly community, that is what the memory cafe should look like in any business or restaurant or wherever we are, because our community would be educated and understand kind of what is going on in those, you know, really delicate and sensitive situations. But our community would also be educated to know that it's okay and everyone's accepted. So that, like my goal in life is just to be able to assure people in our community, wherever you go, you're accepted. Don't be afraid. Don't stay home. Get out and be a part of things. That's a very, very key message, Julie, to share. I remember, you know, towards the end, I was struggling with taking mom to church because all of a sudden during the middle of the sermon, she would just say something, right? And, you know, we're always afraid of the eyes that would be upon us. And so one of the goals of making Cambridge a dementia-friendly community is just helping people understand some of the impacts of Alzheimer's or dementia and what that has, or out grocery shopping and, and other things, or just trying to lend a helping hand for somebody that's trying to grocery shop with a person um, that may have some dementia system uh, symptoms. You know, it's important to understand that there's just needs to be patience and compassion, um, which is very important. So, Jane, um, one of the things that I remember us talking about in our act on Alzheimer's is sometimes, you know, there's shame or a, a feeling of guilt with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. And it, it, people are shy to reach out for services. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about how people can overcome that? where they can get in touch with you or where they should look for your type of services? Yes, of course. So let me just say to ask for help. And I talk to caregivers about this. You know, Americans, we are fiercely independent people. And it's kind of an interesting phenomena. We love to help people. But when when the tables turn a little bit and we actually need some help or assistance, we see this this part of us. I think all humans tend to be fiercely independent, but I see it with almost every person I work with, and I would have to chime into that. It, it is hard to ask for help. We like to help others, but we don't really want to, to be the receivers. So I just want to say that, and that is something that within Caregiving Consultant, we that conversation is always coming up of how do we ask for help? How do we utilize these services? So I want to say this, and that is asking for help is a strength. It's not a weakness. It is courageous to no longer try to do everything alone. So that's part of caregiving consulting is to really help guide families who are struggling with that, that they feel like they have to do everything themselves, or that I'm the only one who can do it. And I think I can relate to that. And so it's really a privilege and an honor to to walk that path with people. And so as far as getting in touch with me, should I just give my information right now? That would be great. Okay. So my office number is 651 257-7905. And you can reach me there. 
And then also my email is Jane M. So that's J-A-Y-N-E-M at familypathways.org. Awesome. And then we'll we'll post them your uh, contact information when we also post the after show recording of this so that uh, people make sure that they have that available to them. Alrighty. Well, we're kind of down to our last question here. Um, and then we can have some more conversation. And so Brandy, we'll start with you and then move through the group. What is the one takeaway that you would like our community to know about Alzheimer's? One thing I guess I would like to share is just to, to not let um, this diagnosis scare you. Like Jane's been saying, we are here if it's uh, the caregiver resource or if it's us here at Grace Point then that can help you um, along through this journey to just reach out and uh, that we are here and waiting whenever you need us. One other little plug before I, I end is that uh, we have been having our Alzheimer's support group uh, meeting on, on campus here at our Heritage Center the third Tuesday of every month from 10 to 11.30, and that's led by our uh, Molly Carlson of Grace Point Crossing. So I know a lot of, uh, we did take a little break due to COVID, but we are here, and even if it's through the support group, uh, there's about eight to ten that keep um, meeting. You can call in if you would like or do by Zoom, but we do have in-person, safe, um, mask must be worn type of uh, support group available to um, everyone. And that support is so important for everyone working with a person uh, with uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. Julie, how about you? What is our one takeaway? Well, I just hope that after anyone hears this podcast, that they can feel better knowing they are not alone, that there is help available to them. Uh, we care about you. We want you to get the resources that you need so that you can live a full life as a caregiver and provide a great life to the best of the ability to the person that you love and are caring for. But probably the biggest message is you are not alone. And I hope that folks will be willing and able to just reach out and make those connections, whether it's with Molly at Grace Point Crossing, with Brandy at Grace Point, or Jane at Family Pathways. And that is like the first stop. There are many more resources that go even beyond all of that. So not to hesitate to reach out. Excellent. Absolutely great message. Jane, how about you? Yeah, so I'm going to just chime in with Julie and Brandy in this message that there is help, there's hope, you are not alone. And again, asking for help is a strength, it is not a weakness, and it is courageous to no longer try to attempt to do this alone. And we are here. Cambridge is a caring community and ACT on Alzheimer's is a special group of people that are here to come alongside you. And as a person that um, is in the sandwich or was in the sandwich generation, um, caring for my parents and caring for young twins at the same time, I remember the overwhelming feeling of trying to care for everybody else 
and put my own needs aside. And I just literally just burnt myself out. And then I wasn't good to anybody. So please, if you are listening and you have the situation occurring in your life, please know we have resources for you. Reach out to us. Um, don't, don't do it alone. Even if it's just you just need somebody to talk to, somebody just to listen, there are resources that are available to help, and we want to be here to help you. Todd, do you have any other follow-up questions? It's a big topic. It's hard to catch everything. Yeah, in our limited time, there, yeah, you're absolutely right. There'd be way too much to, to try to cover. But I just want to express my deep appreciation to uh, Jane and Brandy and Julie for taking this on and helping the Cambridge and Isani area and, and the entire community and their families work through this very, very challenging uh, disease. And I just can't, I just can't fathom what, what you do on a daily basis. But I just so much appreciate what the work that you all do. Thank you. Absolutely. And you're Thank all you. champions in my book. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thank you again, and I echo Todd's, Todd's sentiments. We are blessed to have each and every one of you in our community and working hard to make sure that everyone knows that there is hope, that there are resources, and there is help. So, uh, just want to touch a little bit on what our show is coming up for next week. Next week, we're going to talk about the city's budgeting process and how you, too, can get a receipt from the city for the taxes that you pay to the city. We will be joined by Mayor Jim Godfrey and Caroline Moe, our Director of Finance, and Evan Vogel, Cambridge's new city administrator, um, and I guess we should probably do one other plug for the other show on uh, April 28th. Do you want to uh, do that one, Todd? Certainly. Uh, at seven. a little self-serving. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just let you sit in that little green chair that seems to be missing off of our dashboard here. But anyway, um, we are going to have a special uh, broadcast on April 28th at 7 p.m. Uh, we're inviting anyone and all uh, within the Cambridge area to um, join the show and call in and certainly uh, give their heartfelt thanks for Linda's service to the Cambridge area and certainly bring up any uh, stories or situations that they want to relive uh, and, and, and thank Linda for all of her service in the community. And with COVID being the way it is and in-person activities, not so much the norm yet, this podcast opportunity is a great way for everyone to call in and give their give their heartfelt thanks for Linda. So we hope you all enjoy, join us for that show. And no tears will be shed, I promise. No. <laughs> well, I can't say that. I might cry, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, thank you Brandy, thank you Julie, and thank you Jane. Uh Todd, if you want to take us out for closing, I'd appreciate it. Gladly. And thanks again for being with our show today. You guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can listen to today's program and past shows on the City of Cambridge website at ci.cambridge.mn.us, on your Podbean app, and on other popular podcast directories. We'd love to hear from you, so please visit the Cambridge website and leave your questions, comments, and suggestions. To receive notifications of upcoming shows, simply subscribe on the Podbean app or on the city's website. 
And if you have a moment, offer a review and rate our show. A five would be great. And don't forget to follow our show and share today's program with others. We want as many listeners like you to truly make this show your show. Dedicated to engaging conversation with civic leaders and community members like you. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Mm-hmm.